0: hello bitcoiners my name is ansel linder and this is bitcoin and markets on this show we honestly explore bitcoin to the best of our ability we take a look at stats metrics the tech and the economics behind it all my goal is to stay ahead of the curve and to take you along with me thanks for joining me let's go All right, all right, Bitcoiners, we are back with another Friday Fundamentals. We missed last week. I was on vacation with the family, but uh, I did not miss the Weekly Digest, the Fundamentals report that comes out every Friday. So uh, if you want to uh, get that in case I miss a week, go to BitcoinMarkets.com forward slash report, sign up there. I'm not going to rehash last week. I'm going to go continue on um, and talk about this most current week and then uh, talk about some stories out there in the Bitcoin space. What else is up front? I wanna thank all the supporters out there that uh, support the show and the Discord people that you know we're having lively conversation uh, on the Discord server. So if you wanna join, the link is in the show notes as well for that. And if you wanna support the show because we do need your support, help with this show. If you like this kind of content, you like the Bitcoin banter episodes, you want to see me do more content in the future, then uh, we need your support. So go to bitcoinandmarkets.com forward slash support. Okay, let's get on to price. All right, we have fifty-two seventy on Bitstamp right now. And we are in a upward sloping uh, bull flag or channel. We were also in a uh, upward sloping channel back in March, pretty much all of March until we broke out. And um, now we are in this kind of situation again, just like I've said in the past supply and demand. So right now the demand is just slightly higher than the supply that's coming on the market every day. So we have, you know, um, more people are looking to buy. So the price trickles up, uh, but we will be retesting that breakout. I'm pretty, uh, in firm belief that we will retest this breakout back down to 4,200. There's multiple reasons for this. Um, One of them being just, it needs to happen on the chart. We need to have more volume in this. um, It's almost a gap area. So if you look at the daily chart, the big daily green candle, um, even though the volume is very high, we didn't spend a lot of time there in the middle of that candle. So the volume is actually uh, not very large that price. It's almost like a gap in the charts in my opinion. So we will be probably retesting that entire candle. Um, maybe it's a wick, right? Like we get one hour down there at 4,200 and then we come right back up or something, but it's, it's going to, we are going to retrace that, um, sooner or later. So not only do I think, uh, that about the volume, it's also, there's, um, some smaller bearish divergences happening RSI and price on the daily. And of course my altcoin argument. So you know I am I do not think the um, altcoins are going to follow Bitcoin at least not most of them Uh, they're not going to follow Bitcoin higher when it does go higher uh, because we are kind of in this new era. There, There isn't there might be another altcoin season but it's not going to be anything like the altcoin season of 2017. For years, people have been saying that Bitcoin is the tulip bubble, right? <laughs> um, did did the tulip bubble even happen? We don't even know that. But, uh, you know, there's there's lots of other bubbles that you can point to in history, like the South Sea bubble and, and some other things. So um, I believe that the altcoins were that bubble. Um, Bitcoin, not so much because you know, there's only right now there's 17 million available and there's something like 60 million people that hold Bitcoin. So, um, you know, there's true demand and the demand side for Bitcoin is hodling, not so much spending, but there is some spending use, right? Like Nick Zabo said, um, you have to close the loop on a money. So, uh, you know, People can't just hold it indefinitely. Somebody has to be spending it. And so Bitcoin does have a small amount of spending. We are hitting or getting close to hitting all-time highs in number of transactions. Again, block size, I think the average block size, like for the last seven days, is at an all-time high. So um, there is usage in the spending side. But the main use of Bitcoin is hodling, is savings, okay, is protecting your wealth against um, seizure and from government and all of those things. So there is, uh, and manipulation, right? Because the dollar, you wouldn't want to hold dollars or even gold because gold and silver can be, are manipulated as well. Bitcoin is mainly used for HODLing, but there is a, a good amount of spending. And so it has actual use, right? These altcoins don't have actual use, and I can go into all the different numbers, all the different statistics and metrics. Uh, I've done that on many, many shows, uh, but the altcoins really have very, very little use. Um, like on Ethereum, right, the whole apps that they have, there's only like between eight and 10,000 daily users. It, it's, not, <laughs> it's nothing like the amount of usage for Bitcoin, and, and most of it's just like fun. Like if you're going to play a little game on Ethereum, it's going to be for fun. It's very similar to like a game on Lightning Network, the Lightning Spin uh, website where you go and you, you like spin the wheel for a couple Satoshis. And then if you don't win, then it gets added to the pot. And the next person has the chance to win a higher pot. Th- those are fun little games, right? And that is what these dApps are. Now, if you looked at like daily active users of those Lightning games and you counted those, it would be in the same level of magnitude as Ethereum apps, okay? <laughs> there is no moat. There's no like uh, head start that Ethereum has here because no one's using it. There's just not a demand for that kind of thing. Now, if you're talking about using... um uh, bitcoin to gamble on gambling websites yes that is being used uh, very widely on online gambling is uses bitcoin they don't really use ethereum right so there's uh, the usage of bitcoin is there but the usage of these altcoins is not it was just an inflationary money printing bubble so anyways that's that's what i'm seeing and so i don't think that we can take off quite yet i think we do still have some Air left in the altcoin bubble to let out on top of that let's talk about real volume right there's only a few coins out there with any real volume over say 100 million dollars a day in trade volume so this the whole argument here uh, for altcoin season is getting slimmer and slimmer Um, and so anyways let's move on Let's go on to sentiment, guys. Load. Okay, so last week in the report, I actually said I I plan on seeing uh, this ratio of long to shorts go down with the total going up. So that's what we've kind of seen. So if you take a look at my charts on the report, you'll see that. Uh, the total sum of positions here uh, are is going up and it just kind of broke out of this kind of trend building over gosh all of 2019 really so we've kind of broken out of that structure more more people are uh, trading this move the ratio is going down and this is the ratio from longs to shorts so there's more people going short as this the number of positions gets increased most of that is going to the shorts right now we're down to a 1.14 on the ratio so there's still more longs than shorts but it's getting closer and i expect that to continue in the next week anyways let's that's that's sentiment My neighbor's mowing his lawn right now when I'm trying to record. (laughs) Uh, uh, Let's go on to difficulty. So my normal source, once again, is still not updating. They've been down for two weeks or so. Um, Well, it's showing three weeks, 23 days. They was the last update of this of the site. Hopefully they come back because their charts are really good. But uh, I'm going on my backup. And uh, let's see, uh, we had the last difficulty adjustment was only 0.22% um, increase. So even with the price run up, we haven't seen a significant increase in hash rate. Uh, the next estimated difficulty adjustment is in a day from now. So it should be this weekend. And it is estimated to be a very small decrease, 0.22% eight, 6%. So again, the price has increased like 25% and the hash rate has not done anything. So I, the miners aren't quite buying it yet. And this to me, um, signals uncertainty. And it also uh, tells me that we aren't ready for a breakout yet. Now they, they will, they miners probably will, uh, lead this, uh, I expect the hash rate to lead the price, um, at least in this section of the market, right? When we are switching from bear market to bull market, um, I expect the miners to kind of be able to lead this, this price here. And then in the bull market, that's when the hash rate trails because the price can double in a week and the hash rate can't do that, right? So it takes a while for them to keep up. But right now, it's after we've pulled back 40% on the hash rate um, at the end of last year. uh, And there's a lot of excess hash rate that can be brought back on. Um, There are some stories out of China. Um, uh, I was listening to the most recent episode of Block Digest that they do a good job of covering this stuff. And um, yeah, it seems like the wet season, uh, what they did was they had a bunch of uh, capacity to host miners. And they're expecting a lot of people to bring miners there, but they aren't seeing the numbers that they thought they would. So it looks like that's kind of a bust. Uh, Miners are going elsewhere in the world where they're also getting very cheap rates on electricity. But anyway, so yeah, that's mining. Lightning Network. This uh, has been surprising to me. So over the last two weeks, we really haven't seen an increase in The number of Bitcoins or the capacity of the Lightning Network or the value. I mean, two weeks ago, we saw an increase in the value because the price jumped up 25%. But uh, after that, since the big jump in price on the 2nd of April... um, there hasn't really been a large increase in either the dollar capacity, the dollar equivalent capacity, or the number of Bitcoin capacity. The The number of nodes has gone up slightly, up to now 8,068. The number of channels has come down, and the number of Bitcoins is pretty much flat uh, at 1,064. So it seems we've kind of hit a um, plateau area in the Rise of the lightning network uh, because there isn't, uh, there is not a killer app yet for lightning. And does that come this year? I don't know. Uh, The killer app of Bitcoin is kind of being a supplemental thing to on chain transactions. So um, when we start seeing uh, the, the increase in, um, Volume and increase in fees on the main chain. I think we'll see an increase in these numbers in Lightning. It might not be some killer app like a game or something like that, but that is coming eventually for um, the Lightning Network. But we have probably another 10x at least to go on the adoption of Lightning before we start seeing some of these games becoming more popular. And again, this is a difference between ethereum and lightning so ethereum is saying they are there they're ready for mass adoption and they have no faults even though at the other side of their mouth they're coming up with ethereum 2.0 because their original stuff doesn't work so um there's two these two competing um, narratives in ethereum except they're they agree on one thing ethereum is the fucking best Right now, when I talk about Lightning Network, yes, it's very good. It's a very good solution to Bitcoin scaling, at least in the foreseeable future. But there's just not enough demand because what is the highest amount of demand for Bitcoin? Hodling, followed probably by trading and then finally by spending. So there is not a ton of demand yet. Bitcoin has to grow in market cap. It has to grow in complete size so that there is this um, demand built up within the ecosystem to spend their money. Okay. That is my kind of narrative for this lightning network. I think it's great and it's going to be the future, but it's just not, the demand isn't there yet, right? We need, (laughs) the price needs to forget price. Liquidity needs to beget liquidity, and we need to get this thing up higher in demand. And then we will uh, be able to scale out everything that we want. I've had this conversation multiple times now on Twitter where people are like, oh, but EOS is great. Oh, but uh, Ethereum is great, Um, and Bitcoin is stagnant. Well, the thing is, (laughs) Ethereum is great for 12,000 people. Right. Yeah. It's doing fine for 12,000 people. But why does it need to be a $20 billion market cap? (laughs) Ethereum should be a $2 billion market cap or a $200 million market cap. And that would be fine for those 12,000 people. (laughs) That would be huge for 12,000 daily active users. But (laughs) the thing is, Bitcoin is doing fine for the demand that is there. Because the traditional system, Credit cards, PayPal, those work for the majority of use cases for a value token on the internet. I don't know where I was going with that, another rant on Ethereum, but as you can see, that takes up a lot of my, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting worn out from, from this because I've been waiting and waiting for this and I could be wrong people. I could be wrong. There could be this multi-coin world in the future, Right. Like uh, everybody's saying there's going to be Ethereum for smart contracts and Bitcoin for store of value. But I don't believe that. I could be wrong, of course. Um, but I don't believe that there's going to be to be one valuable token on the Internet. I mean, minus government regulation, like governments might have their stable coin and they mandate the usage of that. And so, yes, there could be these smaller stable coins out there, but Bitcoin is going to be a huge amount of the market, um, way over 80%, probably, you know, in the high 90s. Anyway, I get tired of the altcoin stuff and I just want it to collapse already. Okay. Let's collapse it and get on with this story of Bitcoin. We don't need these altcoins. I mean, they're natural. Okay. People will scam people will print money. That is the way it is, but let's move on. Okay. Everybody knows that these, um, well, not everybody, but most people don't get involved with like the Nigerian print scams or the pyramid schemes because they understand their scams. There is some level of common sense out there. There is no common sense in Bitcoin yet, and we need to build that. And that's why I'm very interested in education in this space. I think we need to build the common sense for people about this space. And it's not altcoins. Okay. The common sense is (laughs) if it's an altcoin, it's a scam. (laughs) That's the common sense. Then after that comes, uh, maybe some consideration and something like that of the ideas, but the common sense position should be that all coins are scams. All right, let's get on. Sorry, guys, I got derailed again. Uh, let's hit the news items, because this is already getting long. And uh, if you want to see more charts and hear about more statistics, get the report. It comes out every week, right to your inbox. It's it's getting pretty popular, and, and we've had some really good feedback, and, and we take feedback very well and, and try to make provide the most value with these, these uh, weekly updates. So um, get it, give us feedback, and all that. Okay, let's get onto the news stuff. This is the next big conversation piece in Bitcoin coming up. Remember, I'm keeping trying to keep you ahead of the curve here in this space. Uh, we have uh, two stories that involve bonds, Bitcoin bonds, and we've seen also with BlockFi, um, Bitcoin loans. Okay, Bitcoin lending, and this is starting to get more into the popular. Um, popular consciousness. Uh, it makes sense kind of like at the end of a bear market that this would be this story, this type of product would be coming up more and more. Um, I don't, I expect it like in the heat of the bull market, of course, that's going to wane quite a bit. But anyway, I do think this is the next big story from the fake volume story to now this bond story. I think these two are kind of right now, the biggest stories. Uh, of the year. Of course, a lot of lot of attention was spent on Craig Wright and Peter McCormick and stuff like that. I think first off on that, uh, I do believe that it was a publicity stunt from Peter McCormick. Of course, that's fine. He can do what he wants. Um, and and I do think that he is getting more and more maximalist as he stays in the space longer. but it uh, you know, whatever. anyways, okay. So first story is from the Asia times and let me pull it up here. The headline is Kabul Tunis in sovereign crypto bond race. So these guys are having trouble raising money, right? And uh, so they are going to offer crypto backed bonds in multiple places in this article, which of course I'll link for you is the word Bitcoin, They even say here in the first – that was just the headline here. But the first sentence of the story, Afghanistan and Tunisia are in a race to be the first country to issue a sovereign Bitcoin bond, according to interviews with the governors of the two countries' central banks. Um, Of course, it's not that. They're talking about Tunisia now. They have this E-Dinar which I think is a little interesting as a side note because there was going to be a gold dinar and that's one reason why Gaddafi got taken out, right? Um, Now there's this e-dinar, interesting. Let's see. From Afghanistan, so Afghanistan is facing severe restrictions on non-concessionary borrowing and a crypto issuance could offer a way to access international markets via its its first-of-its-kind financial instrument made possible with Hyperledger's blockchain technology financial services platform. So this is not Bitcoin. (laughs) I mean, it's it would be easy to offer a Bitcoin or a sovereign Bitcoin bond, right? You buy the Bitcoin, you hold it as your central bank or your government holds the Bitcoin, and you accept cash, that value of that bond is pegged to the value of the backing Bitcoin. And then you can uh, at maturity or whatever, you get your cash back, but you know it has tracked the price of Bitcoin. So uh, if I buy a bond that's 100 Bitcoins worth on day X, then the next year I will receive the cash of 100 Bitcoins worth plus interest or whatever. So um, that's kind of what they're talking about. And that would be fairly easy with like traditional databases. You don't need some sort of hyper ledger blockchain technology financial services platform. It's it's ridiculous. Okay, <laughs> so th- this this tells me that they're gonna have some sort of altcoin that's stupid. Uh, let's see, Tunisia, the first country in the world to issue its own electronic currency, the the e dinar. I thought that was Venezuela, but maybe it was Tunisia. Um, this guy from Tunisia, Abassi, added that Bitcoin and blockchain hyperledger technology offers central banks an efficient tool to combat money laundering, manage remittances. Fight cross border terrorism and limit gray economies. <laughs> Bullshit. Bitcoin does the opposite of that, that they want, that they think it's going to do. And of course, they put in Bitcoin and blockchain hyperledger technology. So these are big stories. Okay. This people are talking about this. This is going to happen in the future, but it's just not there yet. What else do we have? Uh, Uzbekistan is talking about doing a Bitcoin um, backed bond. And so that's it. Okay. Uh, what this story to me says is that this will happen in the future. People are talking about it. There's another story here with the IMF and other people, high level people, important people, central banks talking about this kind of thing. And the way they're going to have to do this is they're going to have to buy the Bitcoin. they they have to do that. The only other option if you want to sell sovereign Bitcoin bonds is to back it with cash settled futures, like on the CME or something like that. Um, and that's fine because they will have to be long, right? So let's say Afghanistan wants to back their sovereign Bitcoin bonds with cash settled CME futures. All right. So there's always a one-to-one on those CME futures. There has to be somebody short. And with the explosiveness of Bitcoin, um, the shorts can get wrecked very, very quickly. And that was when the CME was coming in uh, or going to launch. That was the talk a lot of people were saying was that the shorts were going to get wrecked. The market makers were probably going to be the exchanges themselves. The exchanges themselves could get wrecked, right? And it would be a big problem. And um, so if you're going to back these sovereign bonds with Bitcoin... Um, or peg them to Bitcoin value, and you're going long on cash-settled futures, somebody has to be short, and those people will get wrecked. And then, <laughs> you know, it will just sort itself out. Now, we, we <laughs> we, we've um, talked about, or people have talked about silver, naked silver shorts for many, many years. Uh, this is like JP Morgan, right? They're famous for, naked shorting silver. And the reason why they can get away with that, if that's the case, the reason why they can get away with it is because they uh, are protected by these legal tender laws and other regulations on silver. So silver won't have any sort of hyper monetization because of legal tender laws. Bitcoin might, and Bitcoin goes through these periods of hyper monetization. Um, hyper deflation, um, or disinflation. And uh, that's not possible for silver. It's not even possible for gold. It's more possible for gold, but not for silver. So they they're protected from doing these, uh, or they're protected in doing these naked shorts on silver, because of the other laws and the regulatory climate that they're set up in. All right. With Bitcoin, you don't have that because it is it is a fixed supply. And it will go through these periods of hyper monetization. So anyway, that's enough of this bond thing. I have another story on bonds, and that is the BitMEX bond issue. Let me bring that one up. This is, of course, Arthur B. Hayes, one of... The coolest guys in Bitcoin, for sure. Um, <laughs> I just want to have a beer with him, right? But he is uh, the CEO, president, founder, whatever, of BitMEX. Um, and a lot of people aren't aware of how powerful BitMEX is because, you know, on this real volume for Bitcoin, those exchanges and stuff, those are spot exchanges, they're not futures exchanges. And uh, so BitMEX has a huge amount of volume probably at least double Binance. And so they have a huge amount of influence in the space. And they're talking about now doing some sort of bond issuance themselves. So you give them your Bitcoin and get a 30-day paper, 30-day bond, uh, and they will pay the market rate for interest on that, right? And so they are going to be forming, trying to facilitate a market interest rate. They already do this as part of their perpetual futures and all that. I don't know if they would uh, have the other way, like get the difference, like a real bank, you know, they take in deposits and give loans and they get the difference in the interest rates. I don't think BitMEX is looking to do that. I think they're just looking to offer this service and grow. They think it's kind of a natural step for them. And I agree. The next thing from Bitmex is um, using Bitmex to buy S and P five hundred or different uh, ETFs. uh, Have a product like that, so uh, with your Bitcoin on Bitmex, you can buy into these uh, a a derivative of the S and P five hundred or these ETFs. And I think this is also another really good service that is semi missing in the space. You can do some of this kind of stuff roundabout. But uh, BitMEX is a big name, lots of volume, and this would be a huge product. Uh, I think they're kind of paving the way here. They paved the way in many ways over the last couple years, and I think they're going to do it again here. So now we kind of completed this (laughs) journey over bonds and uh, sovereign uh, lending and corporate lending, even corporate bonds here with uh, BitMEX. And kind of tied it into traditional stocks and how they're doing that. So those are the big ones. Other stories here. We have Satoshi's treasure. So you guys have probably heard about this. There's like a million dollars in Bitcoin. And there's going to be these cryptographic puzzles and all this stuff. It's been covered lots of places. So I won't cover exactly what's going on. But I do. I just want to give you my opinion. I think it's cool. Um, I remember this episode. Did you guys ever watch that series sliders? I think it was from the nineties and I couldn't tell you the name of any of the actors on it, but it was a, a show where this guy figured out wormholes and he made a handheld device and he could slip through these wormholes into parallel worlds. So there's, you know, that where uh, every moment in time has an infinite amount of possibilities uh, or outcomes and so they're the theory that all of those outcomes actually happen and you just happen to be in this line in this universe that there's infinite amount of other universes to choose from so this KNL device could slip you or slide you through to a parallel earth or parallel universe. I liked it. I was a science kind of kid, and uh, so it was a fun show. But this one episode they had was uh, where they went to a world and they had the this math game. It was like kind of sp- basketball or something mixed with math. So you had to be really, really good at math and actually have some sort of athleticism. Um, and they were the superstars of this other world. This was like football and basketball and soccer all combined. Um, and that was like, the, the, they're superstars of this world. Now, <laughs> when I see like a game like this, Satoshi's Treasures, based off cryptography. And, you know, of course we have cryptocurrency and, and all these other things. I just picture in, <laughs> this is a long explanation. I picture like in a hundred years or 200 years, um, they, <laughs> we have these type of games that, The the, Like people that solve this puzzle are actually very highly celebrated or people that came up with these puzzles are very highly celebrated and um, that they are rich because they have Bitcoin and and other things. So uh, I don't know, this this whole Satoshi's Treasure made me think of that past episode of Sliders. And uh, so then I started thinking about, man, maybe this future is there's something here for the future. Anyways, okay, that was fun. <laughs> all right. IMF coin. Now this is the last thing. uh IMF just announced that they are going to have a quote-unquote blockchain project. Um now let me just have another another tangent here. Um so this IMF thing, it just shows that they they don't get it yet. The the SEC, um the Fed, right? All these other uh, world agencies, they just don't quite get it yet or They're trying to push it in another direction to hurt Bitcoin adoption. I don't know, but in my opinion, they don't get it yet. And the SEC, I thought the SEC was two years behind on the ICOs. Now it turns out they're like four or five years behind and there's nothing coming from them. I mean, people are getting frustrated that there's no guidance for this. And then they'll come out with something that people are like, oh, this is an earth shattering thing. Uh, sec said something had some guidance about uh, icos well and then it turns out to be bullshit it just causes more confusion and uh, people still don't know if ethereum is is an illegal security <laughs> and uh, people are starting to get upset and just like the irs now there's something by congress talking about having more concrete rules from the irs people are getting pissed they need to do something. And they, the government is just falling further and further behind. Why? Because they're so worried about Kavanaugh's uh, relations, you know, Supreme Court justice, it, his relations in when he was 17, and uh, Trump and this Russia gate or whatever. They, that's what they're concerned about. They're concerned about AOC, right? <laughs> they're concerned about Nancy Pelosi and Trump and this border wall. They're not concerned about ICOs or crypto. And this is starting to show. They're falling further and further and further behind. They don't even know how to deal with Ethereum. How in the fuck are they going to deal with the Lightning Network? They're not. They're straight up not. And the further behind they get, the more likely they are to just jump on board. So these lawmakers are going to just they're not going to wait. If Bitcoin has the next bull market and it goes up to 50,000 and these lawmakers, these important people around the world, they're going to jump in. And then what are you going to do? Right? Are you going to make some sort of law against 50%, like send 50% of your people in the government to jail? Because they got into this thing that you didn't have regulations on, and now you want to make regulations on No, you're not going to do that. It's over. Game over. There might be different ways to fight this with regulations because regulators get special treatment by other regulators. Just look at uh, the Congress, you know, can insider trade. That is legal. They know they're going to sign a contract. Uh, the government's going to sign a contract with some business, they can buy their stock. And that's legal, but it's illegal for anybody else to do it. I don't say that it should be illegal for them to do it, but I don't think it should be illegal for anybody to do that kind of stuff. And I think it's bad that the government has contracts with people. So it's like just a weird situation. So there's always these exceptions for lawmakers. And um, so maybe, I don't know, I guess there will be exceptions for all this crypto stuff for lawmakers too. Alright, that's going to do it for me. I am checking out for the weekend. I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. Get outside, spend time with loved ones, drop the Twitter drama, drop the Bitcoin drama, have fun, and spend time with your loved ones. I'm out. I'll see you guys next time. Peace.